Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. You need to take care of yourself during Pedro's health crisis, my friend urged me as she handed me an envelope. Thanks, I said, tiredness making my voice thready. Get some rest, she ordered, and seriously, take care of yourself. Okay, I assented, planning to ignore her advice just as soon as I could squeeze her out the door. If one more person told me to take care of myself, I would splinter into a thousand pieces, spewing hurtful shrapnel at everyone around me. When I heard her car start up, I opened the envelope and laughed cynically. A gift certificate for a one-hour massage. Great. I had no time for a one-hour massage. With Pedro in the hospital three states away, two elementary school-aged daughters, and a full-time teaching job, I had no time to drive into town and lay on a table for an hour while someone tried to massage my troubles away. I appreciated the gift certificate and the kind thought behind it, but I resented the advice. People didn't understand that during a catastrophic crisis like cancer, I didn't have time to indulge myself. At any moment, I could receive a phone call from Pedro or the hospital, warning me to rush down to California for perhaps the last visit. I tossed the gift certificate on the growing pile of bills in my office and walked like an automaton to the kitchen to prepare supper. The girls and my parents would return home soon, and everyone would be hungry. One day I thought to myself, things will change. Pedro will qualify for a stem cell transplant, and his health will improve. Until then, I can just keep on keeping on, I guess. Our lives tiptoed around the cancer crisis. In six interminable months, Pedro had received a diagnosis, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, gone into remission, and relapsed with the cancer moving to his brain. I thought I'd done a good job dealing with each new crisis as it popped up, but I felt more and more brittle as the months went by. People's advice to just take care of yourself felt like angry bees buzzing around my head. I didn't have time to take care of myself. I had a dying husband and two young daughters to take care of. Later, after he got well and the crisis became but a distant memory in our rearview mirror, I would take care of myself. But he got well, and I still didn't take care of myself. Somehow, in the midst of the crisis of putting everyone ahead of myself, I forgot that I had needs too. I gained weight. Fifty pounds. I struggled with depression even after Pedro's miraculous healing. Guilt stood ready to taunt me. Pedro regained his former health in a year. It took me seven years. Why? Because I didn't understand how to take care of myself mentally during a crisis. So, today I'm going to share with you seven hacks to help you take care of yourself mentally during a crisis, so that hopefully you won't have to suffer as long as I did after a crisis passes. Hack number one, acknowledge that you don't have to do this alone. It never occurred to me to seek a counselor for myself during Pedro's health crisis. 
I thought I came equipped to deal with whatever life tossed my way. It never occurred to me to join a support group for spouses of cancer patients. I thought I should just take it in stride. That sharing my fears and frustrations would make me weaker, not stronger. Just the opposite, though. Finding a counselor to help me navigate my emotions during Pedro's illness would have helped me cope better during crisis mode. A support group would have helped me know that other people shared my feelings of despair and doubt. Hack number two, find a crisis counselor or explore short-term solutions. Crisis counselors know how to administer psychological first aid and help you determine what your next step should look like. At the beginning of this school year, one of our students lost her life in a tragic bus accident on a school outing. Within a week, a crisis counselor showed up at school to help all of us navigate our grief. If you feel as if you can't handle the crisis on your own anymore, it's time to reach out to a hotline where crisis counselors stand by to help you. Call the SAMHSA Disaster Distress Hotline. They have 24-7 hotline help dedicated to natural or human-caused disasters. You can call 1-800-985-5990 or text Talk with us at 66746. Mental Health America has tips for helping you identify common reactions to crises and how to deal with them. I'll leave links in the show notes, which you can find at anitaojeda.com. Hack number three, journal about your feelings. Journaling helps you process your feelings in slow motion, which helps stop the barrage of negative thoughts. List all the things that are bothering you as you go through a crisis, the ways that the crisis touches the lives of family, friends, or even strangers. Now that Pedro is facing a second cancer diagnosis, I write down my fears and acknowledge them, and it helps me understand that I don't have to become the sum of my fears. Fears can morph into little bullies that torment us day and night. They can make the present reality feel like a new reality that will never change. I'll leave a link in the show notes to a post on dealing with bullies for tips on how to bring perspective back into the equation. Hack number four, grieve. We all love the known and comfortable. When a crisis hits, we need to take time to grieve the changes. We don't need to wallow in our grief, but we do need to acknowledge it. During Pedro's cancer crisis, I failed to grieve his loss of hair, his weakness, the loss of our comfortable routines, and the plans we had made. Everything got put on hold for 10 months while he battled cancer. It took me years to grieve all that I should have grieved at that time. Don't put off grief. Take care of yourself by giving yourself time and space to grieve. Right now, I've been grieving the changes that Pedro's latest bout with cancer has brought into our lives, along with the loss of a student at the beginning of the school year. So right now, I'm taking time to grieve and to mourn the changes Pedro's second cancer diagnosis has brought to our lives. I might not like the changes, but I can grow to accept them if I take time to grieve along the way. Hack number five, find community. If only I had joined a support group, I would have understood the other cancer patient spouses had the same feelings I did back during Pedro's first crisis with cancer. Instead, I isolated myself and ignored the well-meaning advice to take care of yourself from my friends, certain they had no idea how I felt 
Since then, I've made friends with a disaster buddy who has traveled many of the same paths I have with cancer and her family. When Pedro had his cancer surgery last month, my friend Carol, my disaster buddy, drove six hours in one day, three hours there and three hours back, in order to hang out with me and keep me distracted during Pedro's long operation. She's someone who I know I can call at any time and say, hey, disaster buddy, and she'll know that there's a disaster that I need to commiserate with her about. Find someone like that in your life or join a support group. Hack number six, make it a family affair. In my own doubt and misery over Pedro's first illness, I failed to notice that our daughters needed help too. They seemed to take the changes in health crisis in stride, but years later, they suffered. Don't put off talking to your spouse and your kids about healthy self-care strategies. Openly share your feelings of angst, despair, and sorrow. Ask your kids how they feel. Come up with ways to take care of yourselves as a family. If your kids have reached the age of reason, let them choose a self-care activity for each day and help them understand that you need time for a self-care activity each day too. Teach your children about the importance of mental self-care. And hack number seven, look for beauty every day. It sounds weird to suggest that you look for beauty every day, but beauty helps mitigate the darkness. Pause to watch a beautiful sunrise or sunset. Reread a book that makes you laugh. Take time to examine the beauty of a grasshopper's eye or the flame yellow of a hooded oriole. Find a verse of scripture that speaks to your soul and fills you with hope. Remember that you don't walk through a crisis alone. Whatever you do, don't think that you can take care of yourself later after the crisis has passed. Now is the time to practice mental self-care and teach your family about its importance. Self-care isn't a dirty word, and you shouldn't have to sneak around to take care of yourself. So don't forget the seven hacks for taking care of yourself mentally during a crisis. Hack number one, remember, you don't have to do this alone. Hack number two, Find a crisis counselor or explore other short-term solutions. Hack number three, journal about your feelings. Hack number four, take time to grieve and mourn. Hack number five, find community or a disaster buddy. Hack number six, make it a family affair. And hack number seven, look for beauty every day. Come back next week when I talk about ways to take care of yourself artistically and academically during a crisis. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together, we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.